Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Good morning, New City. My name is Joe Meinholtz. I use he, him pronouns. I am honored to be a part of this community, and I'm grateful to be on this ride through Revelation together. It is a wild ride that we are going on. Wow, we are diving into some strange images today. We have multi-headed beasts. We've got uh, dragons. We've got uh, this number on the forehead that we just read about. We've got quite an intro to sermonizing for your guy Joe here. (laughs) And I believe it's right where we need to be on this week in March of 2021 as a new city community. Because I believe God has a word to speak to us through these rich, uh, multi-layered images of evil in the book of Revelation. I believe that when we take on a full and realistic view of evil in our world, then we can pray for God's full liberation to come into our lives. And that's what we're here for. So so let's get into it. So as a kid, I was enamored with action movies. And there's always this final throwdown scene in those movies. Uh, Maybe you're that person who falls asleep during this part of the movie. It's like uh, after all the character development ends and Michael Bay just like starts blowing things up for at least 45 minutes and then the Avengers like pull out a victory, but really the victory means seven city blocks are completely leveled. Maybe you fall asleep for that part. I was here for it as a 12 year old and my favorite, my favorite movie was Lord of the Rings, which blew the epic scales off the chart and it was you know, the, the classic, all these bad beasts line up and there's just mountains of ugliness. And then there's a couple forces of good with their little bow and arrows in the middle of the field. And of course, there's that moment when they just line up and get bigger and badder and bigger and badder. And the, and the little ones with bow and arrows, like, you know, have a little glimmer of hope. And then they turn around and they're like, yikes, it's a cave troll. Come on. Like, that is Lord of the Rings. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I was caught in those epic battles as a 12 year old. And uh, during the pandemic, I rewatched Lord of the Rings and I found that there's another side of those action movies that my 12 year old self wasn't paying attention to. There's two stories going on in Lord of the Rings. There's this epic battle scene. And then they're panning to a second parallel story of these characters named Frodo and Sam who are on a much more personal journey. Uh, they have this uh, journey to say no to power, and it's very internal. And, and that's what I was fast forwarding as a kid, you know, right through those parts, all the dialogue. What's that about? Get back to the explosions. But it's brilliant. It's brilliant. There's the, they basically have this long journey to say no to the internal temptation to take power for themselves. And that internal battle can shift the whole world. Big battle scene internal temptation. I bring up Lord of the Rings because I think it gives us a good parallel to the kind of stage setting that the author of Revelation is doing in the, in the passage we read this morning. So there's a cosmic battle between the good purposes of the creator in the world, and then there's evil bringing chaos to that world. And now in Revelation 13, evil is hitting the stage without any disguises. There is the people of God, and then there is this forces of evil and the people got to like, shoot, there's a dragon. But, but John 
is using actually really particular images in this passage to give us as readers understanding of how evil works, both in John's time, but also in our own. And that's why we want to lean in this morning, because when we, we were looking for that full view of evil, when we have that full and realistic view of evil, we can pray for God's full liberation to come into our lives. So let's unpack these images that are in, are in this battle scene um, that is so strange to us modern readers. So first, there's, there's a dragon, uh, which Tyler talked about last week. This dragon is the personification of evil itself. All its sinister forms comes out in this dragon. And then at the beginning of the passage we read, the dragon stands on the shore of the sea and calls, conjures this beast from the waters who has seven heads. And scholars agree, seven heads represent Rome's military might, which is based in the city of seven hills. So, the, the author asks, who can fight against this beast? Which is surely a very visceral reality for the readers. There's a super military industrial complex of Rome, and they were beating back John's community, not in warfare, but into submission through the sword. In, in, in they were executing early Christians in, in large numbers publicly. So there's a beast out of the sea that represents Rome's military might. And then the dragon turns and conjures another beast. A second beast comes from the land, similarly hideous, and it uses the power of the first beast to force people to worship it at threat of death. So many scholars agree that this beast represents the empire's economic might that legitimizes power through total control of people's day-to-day -day lives. Everyone is stuck in the totality of this beast's power because no matter if you're rich or poor, slave or free, you can't buy or sell anything in the market unless you get this mark of the beast on your forehead. Mark of the beast. That is actually a very clear image to John's audience because they probably on the daily would go to the Roman markets and to get into the market to get their goods, they would receive a mark that was, that was the mark of the ruler of the day, the Emperor Nero. So that's the reason for the number 666, dispelling all the myths that you've heard about that number and all the ways you've seen it in pop culture, getting back to the original context. Scholars are pretty, pretty much in agreement that 666 is a, is a wordplay in Hebrew and Greek for the Emperor Nero. It's the name of the beast. It's a literal emperor in the day. And that emperor is exercising might and an iron fist through military and economy. Now, stick with me closely here as I try to explain this context of the first century, because I know it's so far from what we're dealing with now. Just stick with me here. So John's communities, first, are facing this totalitarian world economic force that drives people to desperation, forces them into one economic system, and courses them to giving their whole lives to the market. Right. Then, at the same time, they're dealing with these absurdly powerful militaries that execute crushing control of whole people groups for their own gain, and they justify it with words like Roman security, Roman law and order, bringing Roman peace into our land. Right. Let's talk about our context for a second. Let's talk about this. We know the names of these empire forces in our own days, right? 
we thought evil was big and bad in Rome's day. Let's just take a little check-in on where we're at right now. So people forget about this. One white guy, Washington, D.C., has his finger on a button for enough nuclear bombs that he could, on a whim, wipe out human life on planet Earth. So, so we don't really need to go to the movies. They don't really do it justice what we're living through. We, we blow apart mountains to satisfy human greed. Mountains. I, I spend a lot of time organizing to stop the Line 3 pipeline in Minnesota, uh, which is an oil pipeline that would run across indigenous lands. Um, and you don't need to convince our movement that organized evil exists in the world. We, we've got a faceless company motivated only by profit and backed by two world governments who is currently currently paying off Minnesota law enforcement to intimidate indigenous water protectors who are trying to stop the company's oil pipeline from destroying their, their way of life, their, their clean water. I know for our Twin Cities-based New City community, organized violence isn't theoretical. Holding a breath now for a moment for those of us who have had helicopters circling our homes again and again this week. Holding a breath in prayer for those in our community who daily negotiate the threat of police violence with black and brown bodies. Holding a breath for the beautiful resistance that we see and the humanity and the grief and the, the courage of those who are standing for justice. The barricades, the barbed wire, the anticipation of thousands of National Guard troops in our streets, it's deeply re-traumatizing for many of us. And there is the swirl of violent dynamics in our streets. It's, it's the racist systems of our city. It's violence in the hands of those inside and outside our city who come to wreak havoc. Violence in the law enforcement response itself under the label public safety. Lord, 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 let us cling to you now more than ever. You are our protector. You are the one who is stronger than all that is wielded against us in these moments against our bodies, our souls. You are our protector. We have reason to fear the immense power of organized greed and violence in our world today. This stuff is scary, right? This is, this is, there's no other way of getting around it or, or there's no other way of painting it besides these, these sort of beasts. And this is why we love the end of the movie. This is why we love the end of the book of Revelation, right? Because we want and we hope for God to cast away these terrors so that all of God's children can be free. And that is how it ends. Indeed, that is how it ends. But before we settle back into our theater chairs and watch for God to take down the empire with Michael Bay explosions, there's more to the Bible's portrayal of evil than just big, bad militaries or oppressive economies. And we need that full and realistic view of evil to pray for God's full liberation to come into our lives. So while the battle rages on with these beasts in Revelation, there's also 
from Uncle Sam, right? There's also the real temptation of evil in our own hearts, the quiet, boring scenes of our day to day that make all the difference. So we pan from the beasts and the dragons to a lone Jesus walking through the desert. So this is the Christian season of Lent. This is one of the key scenes that we're reflecting on leading up to the death of Jesus and then the resurrection. Jesus is out for 40 days in the desert and he's having this back and forth debate with the devil. So he's this, this mysterious, subtle voice, the dragon, the devil, right? There's lots of images in the Bible to talk about this, this one who tempts. And in these scenes, Jesus walks through the desert and this beast, this, this devil, tempts him to notoriety, to power, to comfort in exchange for his soul. And Jesus goes to the desert to face the true enemy, the enemy that's deeper than just a Roman Empire or Babylon or the corrupt religious leaders of the day. Any expression of that evil in the big world comes back to this deeply personal work. And just like the beasts on the battlefield of Revelation, Jesus shows us that those voices have no power before the fierce love of God. So the scriptures show us that evil is both big and bad, and it has a terrible subtlety. Evil is a border wall built to keep human beings out. Evil is the private prison companies profiting from caging those human beings. And evil is also the pesky weed of fear that keeps popping up every time we humans convince ourselves that walls keep us safe. Evil is when a black child is asked to pick the most beautiful doll and who picks the white one over the black one. Who, who did this? Who can we point to? What terrible devil so deeply rooted that false image of self in that baby's mind that they are unable to know how beautiful they truly are in God's sight? Who did that? Evil is a terrible beast, an ugly dragon, a sinister voice that gnaws at our hearts. We need to have a full and realistic view of evil in our world so we can pray for God's full liberation to come to each one of us so that the world can sing. Christians have long recognized that we can get it twisted, right? It's all too easy to make an easy enemy. It would have been easy for John to just say, make some cynical political cartoon about the Emperor Nero, paint him in absurd colors with his gaudy throne and his absurd tweets, and just paint God taking care of him. And all John's people rejoice. They win. But John is careful never to paint evil as a person. Not a fossil fuel worker, not a law enforcement personnel, not a world leader. Evil is deeper and more sinister. So at New City, we talk about inward and outward transformation. Inward transformation leads to outward transformation, leads to inward transformation. We need to keep these together, lest we get it twisted and we become the very empire we are seeking to dismantle. If we don't look at evil in this full way, we'll just end up battling the hydra, right? We'll just cut off one head to have another grow right back. 
We'll see leader after leader use the same patterns of domination, and we'll watch our hearts give in again and again to temptation, to comfort, to fear, to power. So here's my challenge to you today in view of the ugliness and sinister nature of this terrible beast that we're reading about. So if you are with me and you see evil as big and bad in the world out there, it's out on the battlefield of activism, it's on the world stage, great. I'm grateful for you. You can name and critique the really bad stuff out there and we need your voice to keep lifting up in the streets. And I challenge you, let God lead you to reveal evil in your own heart. How are you tempted to power, comfort, selfishness? How much can you blame on an elected official but miss the subtle voice leading you away from God's liberating love in your own heart? Now, others of you feel comfortable in that zone, right? You, you've been to the Enneagram workshops. You're doing your own difficult interior work to be whole. Great, amazing, we all need that. I challenge you though, to not let those elected officials slide. Spend time reflecting on the systems of domination that shape your world and how you could lend your voice and your body to speak truth to power in spite of the consequences. Lean into that outward transformation so that all of us can be free. Join a movement for liberation, show up and see God work. You see, the God of liberating love defeats evil. Done deal. Final word, full stop. That is the promise of resurrection. We need this full view of evil in our sights so that then we could say, hey God, come over here. I need you and I need you to save me from this. I need you to save us from this. Creator God defeats the beast so we can walk down Lake Street and up Chicago without fear. In this holy place, no one will hurt or harm. No vain ruler will trample our people. No vain ruler will rise up in our own hearts. So the whole creation can sing as in a springtime melt when all is made new. And so we pray every week, every week we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as we pray over and over, we refuse to recognize the illegitimate power of the beast in our lives. We cry out to God, save us, lest we feel like we have no other option, or we have to cling to false security, cynicism, this violent status quo. No, that is illegitimate power. We entrust our whole lives to our creator, knowing she will not fail. She will not fail to pluck us out of the grasp of the beast and keep us from its snares. We must trust that God wants our full liberation from evil. She isn't interested in just a few less nuclear bombs threatening our world. She has a plan for that whole war machine to be dismantled and turned to garden tools. We, she isn't courting only immigration reform. She has enlisted us you and me, to be in the choir that is tasked with singing the border walls to rubble. Once and for all, she isn't aiming for only slightly decreasing statistics of violence in our streets. No, she is personally leaving her throne in heaven to put an end to the world-shattering evil of just one child missing from one parent. Creator is not out to tame the beast of exploitive economies and military might to be nicer. 
not out to tame the beast. She is here to cast the ugly realities of evil into the depths, never to return, to make room once again for the children of God to breathe, to breathe. So, community, my friends, practice your resistance songs. Rend your fleshy hearts that beat with love for the world and abhor the violence being done to God's children. Rend your hearts to God. Uncover your temptations to power, to notoriety, to false security, and give them over to the Redeemer to make new. Keep up your endurance. Keep up your endurance as the people of liberation in an age of immense evil. And pray over and over to the one who defeats the beasts in our hearts, in our world. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.